Hello everybody, welcome to the Mindful Morning with Justin the Change Artist. Janie the Mindfulness Coach, I thought you were going to say my name. <laughs> I almost did and I love when that happens, uh, not because of the hesitation, but because I really was going to say your name so you stopped to let me and it's almost like you can hear my thoughts. Uh. I feel like that happens in the morning before our brains have too much mush rolling around. <laughs> it happens throughout the day too. Uh, yeah, what did I say? It only happens in the morning? I, I, don't, know, to... I don't know if you say only or mostly, because it does most. It does happen a lot in the morning. Yeah, I did say that. I did mean to say mostly in the morning, mm-hmm. but we also we also have a lot of good conversations in the morning. And I wanted to make sure I got this one because we said something. We've been doing this for a while. These mindful ones, we just get up and talk. Mm-hmm. But I mentioned mindful. Relationshiping. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's certain parts of a relationship that, depending on where you're at, will kind of fall into this idea that certain parts of a relationship happen automatically. Almost like the revelation parents have that knowledge isn't just downloaded into a child when they hit a certain age <laughs> they have to be taught you know yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people think that good relationships especially the best parts of a good relationship let's say are are they, they're part of the things that just happened and that that's one of the reasons that the people in the relationship sharing that are so happy mm. you know because it didn't take work we just got together and it happened and i feel like that's the narrative right playing in people's minds when they see a happy healthy couple that can communicate and resolve conflict and get past the bullshit and all the things that people see and think oh that's a good couple I want that Mm -hmm. for me yeah there's definitely uh, a lot of nurturing and cultivating and practicing certain things on a daily basis to achieve that type of relationship that level of harmony you know and it doesn't mean that it's always like things are always so perfect and groovy or anything it's just you learn how to manage like you said conflict in a mature way Um, and even when it doesn't go perfectly when you're attempting to do it maturely you know what I mean in the in the end there's always like solid resolve yeah for sure and I feel like there's there's also a mutual understanding between two people because some pe- some couples argue and I'm, I, I'm not saying this because oh some couples argue the way they do mm-hmm. I'm saying this because I've been in situations in relationships where when it came to conflict it wasn't so much about resolve as much as it was about you know being right or getting the last word you know kind of like when you're digging in with your boys and you know you kind of want to one-up the next guy yeah. and it end up in a lot of things being said in anger and you know maybe uh, some things that set us two steps back you know when we really should have just checked ourselves at the heightened emotion and really walked away from the issue if it was really yeah if it was really about resolve if it was really about resolve you know and and it's it's weird to talk about it now not weird but it's hard to talk about it now using the terms that i saw it in then but we almost have to so people 
understand where we're coming from. And what I know as in, as intent and H plus, I think you know slightly differently, but it's the same thing. H plus, explain uh, that so that people know. It's the same as intention. In hypnosis, some hypnosis circles, there's the idea that uh, where your mind goes, attention flows. So your intention when working with people should always be to hope the best for them. And the work as a practic- practitioner comes in being able to set your own ego aside. And just so being able to have high H plus in partnership. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost essential. like a combination between empathy and intention, because you're you're using your empathy to feel around, you know, how to help another person, and you have to know Passion. how to and you have to know how to decipher, you know, your your emotions, because uh, well, just the other day I was working with someone that, uh, in a lot of ways, thought the way I did. But there was a slight, there was a fine nuance to this person's reality that I would describe as a bit finer than the way I, I built mine. Mine could be considered a little rough, uh, jagged even, maybe more like a texture like sandpaper. <laughs> and this man, uh, maybe it's a thing that comes with age because he was a little older, but this man had a, there was a certain refinement to the way his reality rebuilt regardless of the state it was in. Um, and you want to be able to decipher that, not just in working with other people in that context, but in working with your partner. You know, you have to remember that even though you feel like you're standing on one side of the fence and they're on the other, it, it, it's still in us. At the end, it is still in us. And the work doesn't change in a relationship when you're, when you're mindful relationshiping. The work just becomes more apparent, you know. If you want to solve issues and solve them fast, you got to be able to put yourself aside and put yourself aside completely. Now, understanding is a big one too. You had already mentioned empathy and compassion tie into understanding, but a lot of times people assume that understanding is saying, I totally agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think that should be a two-part thing because I think where you're getting at is uh, not just understanding understanding why right. and how the person got there. Yes, that's mm-hmm. it. It's like I want to be curious. Like I need to be curious about how I got to that place too. Right? Yeah, and understand why I behaved this way or felt this way, and then be able to articulate that to myself and then to the person you know that I'm in partnership with. You know? But as much as that side of it is important for self to be able to listen compassionately or discover what are the right questions to ask, you know, so that you can do your best to see where they're coming from or why they felt that way. And you have to know a lot. There's a lot about a person that you must discover and unravel and know so that when these moments occur, you know, that information comes in handy, you know, because you're like, I understand why you perceive the world the way you do. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's where compassion kicks in because when you're getting to know a person on that level, there's so many nuances that go into behavior. Like one, one tiny detail totally changes the mode of thought and the outcome and the way that person reacts and thinks about things. And if you're stuck in absolutes, which is a part of developmental psychology, if you're stuck in black and white, absolutes are this or that, you know, well, is it this or is it that? And if you catch yourself 
saying those things or if you hear those things from other people it's a great sign of where they're at developed psychologically um so if you're still in black and white it's going to be hard for you to give someone else that space to be able to lay out all the different parts of themselves you know and a lot of people don't realize but the damage done in that space is often the damage that ruins relationships because they they don't realize where or how the damage was done so they don't realize how to go about fixing yes that's why these things continue to reoccur you yeah. know they can never get to the core seed mm-hmm. of it therefore it continues to pop up again and again yeah. it could be in different ways but it's coming from the same place yeah and i found one way that's different when it comes to healthy and unhealthy ways to do things like that as far as communicating and getting to know the nuances of this and that is to notice them yourself in the person and instead of uh instead of asking them about them because a lot of these nuances a lot of the things you'll pick up on especially when you're building a healthy relationship they won't be conscious to the other person though it'll be a subconscious behavior so just asking them is asking them to take a really deep introspective journey right then and there in the moment mm-hmm. and to have a healthy relationship it involves Uh, a lot of vulnerability and humility mm-hmm. because you can't have authenticity without those two things and so if you struggle with one or the other or both then you're fooling yourself about wanting to have intimacy you know and when we say intimacy it's not just the physical sexual aspect of it but it is the mental emotional intimacy that ultimately uh you want to create with your partner you know because how else can it be are built on a solid foundation exactly. unless you're both able to honestly and effectively share yeah. uh fears and securities thoughts uh, recognize that we're each going to make assumptions that are not always correct mm-hmm. you know and and there's ways you can there's there's just we'll call it a functional way of communicating so you mentioned uh, intimacy and, and getting close uh intimate conversation for for like if I were to start one with you instead of asking you directly hey why do you do this thing or that thing or blazadi blahu to who um i would i would say hey you know what i really love when you the way when you bend down and you know you have a loose shirt on how you make sure that no one can peek into the top of your shirt um i think that's very lady like and it says a lot about you i love how when you wear um a skirt or a dress you would just you know the way you've been down you're not trying you're not struggling for it, it shows a certain comfortability with your femininity uh, and you have this this knack this tick i don't know if you realize you have it mm-hmm. but you have this uh this like nod i don't know what's going through your head but you have like this nod in your head that you give yourself uh and i don't know what's going on there but it's really really i think it's cool i i, I see you going through like some sort of process and then next you, time i do you, you like, have to tell me yeah and then you like i click see into you <laughs> you do certain things with like your eyebrows or like you'll do something with your jaw and your the muscles around your like lips and things like this so you'll you'll start to bite your lip or uh, yeah yeah so, you've noticed my tongue out more yes. yeah more than usually and that i like when you catch it and you tell me your tongue's out because then i right away i can check okay what am i thinking about what's that's what i mean what's in my mind what am yes. i doing and if you notice sometimes i'll just be like hey your tongue's out and i don't get into like any kind of other words because at that point we had already like mentioned it before yeah yeah like and, oh, and, it's out again. yeah and so now it's like i just say it so then you can make the connection to well, what's going on in that moment so that you start to see how often not how often it's more when 
are you doing it you know mm-hmm. but that's why I always tell you too like whether it's something positive or something not so becoming you know we'll say um that uh, let's say a, a personality characteristic of mine or a, a behavior or mm-hmm. whatever <clears throat> um it's not always it's always easy to hear the good stuff there's a yeah there's a way to it. bring up yeah so so when you i call it course correction course correcting right or like giving constructive feedback as opposed to uh what was it before uh that they they call it criticism yeah, constructive criticism, criticism. No, 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 no yeah oh. constructive criticism that's it see i already forgot the original <laughs> word because i've been using constructive feedback for so long i was getting the words mixed up but um i tell you like tell me in the moment like later when we get into some type of tiff about something mm-hmm. and uh and then you mention it i'm like okay this thing that you're say that you say that I do or that I said or whatever the next time I do it mention it yeah like in real time yeah. like you know what i mean and so that way i can make the connection and start to go internally to see and then i can see and feel it for myself as opposed to being told later uh, that takes a lot of practice for an individual period to be able to then do that in partnership yeah, in themselves and then in partnership mm-hmm. for sure and i feel like what we just had there about our tics and the things we notice about each other uh it was very quick it was real light but to me that's an intimate relationship because intimate is more than just you know talking about the body oh yeah or that or, you like strawberry ice cream yeah, like yeah I it's wanna, like noticing i want to eat whipped cream thing. off of you no there's not, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's notice yeah, yeah it's noticing the tiniest things about a person and being intimate is letting someone into that space and the time spent in that space and you want to be able to explore that with someone yes. and you're super expressive when it comes to you sharing all the tiny little details that you notice about me whether it's physical uh mental emotional spiritual uh yeah and and i realized because i i never had that before in all the relationships that i and i've been in a lot of them and i've been with some really really kind men who are very attentive and very nurturing and caring like you are but i think maybe it's it's just the care that you have for me that suddenly you also have this you know admiration and adoration which i have for you it's reciprocal that's so beautiful when that's there because that brings like a sense of security and safety to know that a person can that's that in that they're that in all of you you know what i mean yeah. it's like you know like i'm in all of your mind or in all of like how you do things or when you jump around and climb a tree or whatever i'm just like wow or just whatever it is it's like you wow me a lot <clears throat> and when you do i'm not too prideful to tell you i don't withhold love i'm not a withholder i don't like to withhold mm-hmm. and and neither do you with me uh, you know regardless of how you've been in the past or whatever for some reason with me you're everything i could possibly need as a woman and more importantly as this particular woman you know what i mean yeah. like, i understand what i need to feel fulfilled and nourished if i'm going to be in a relationship i already know how to nourish myself thank god mm-hmm. you know but if i'm going to partner up with somebody 
you know, I want to know that I can nourish them and it comes pretty effortlessly. Whatever that is that they need. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And the little part where it's like some some compromising or a little bending. Everything else is so fucking radical and awesome. That these two little things that I need to like, that don't come natural to me, that I need to like, you know, remember from time to time. Not a big deal. You know what I mean? It's love. It's love. It's it's a it's the most perfect balance of like independence and interdependence. It's mm-hmm. it's knowing and understanding what surrender means. Yeah, yeah. I think and that feel goes. Like you're giving over control. I think this uh, is a good time to to go into the talking to yourself part of it. Um, when it comes to having these conversations and creating this space, uh, there's a certain there's a few, I don't like to call it structure. I'm starting trying to get away from that word. But there's a few things you can follow. Just keep in mind when talking to yourself before having these conversations. And one of those things is to always talk about the to the person, about the person from your perspective. Because when you're when you're in a relationship, whether you realize it or not, sometimes these conversations will talk about a person on the level of identity. And when you talk about a person, anybody. On the level of identity, their fight or flight responses get involved and they will start to defend themselves. And it's very easy for a conversation to go the wrong way when you're not aware of these these things. So you always want to talk to the person about the person from your perspective. So for you want to use your I feels. I feel like when you do this or when you said this or when I see you do this, you want to make sure that the words you're using are all coming from your perspective exactly. because you're still experiencing this person mm-hmm. in their reality from your view. Yeah. You're not in you're never in their head Ever. making their decisions. Never. You're not a part of their decision tree or anything. Mm-mm. So, no matter how well you know them and get to understand them, there's you still are not them. Exactly. And if you give them the space, if you fill the space with what you what you know you know, which is everything from your perspective, all your partner has to do, or the the opportunity you create for your partner is one where they just fill in the gaps. Yeah, clarify. There's it, no, it's a clarifying mm-hmm. conversation, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, it sounds easy. We, we, you know, you can say it that way because it's like, well, I have those all the time. But, you know. Well, I, 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 listen, I totally get it, and this is one of one of the things, at least in my in my previous relationship, that was very, very like bothersome. Was I I would want to start that right? Like I understood it was my perspective, so I'd be like, I I feel this or da da when you and he straight up said. If you say when you, I'm not listening anymore. I'm shutting down. And then I couldn't wrap my brain around that because I'm like, I'm still not, I'm still not coming from shame and blame. I'm coming from a place of observation and reflection. I'm recognizing that I'm feeling and thinking this when you do this. It am am I incorrect? Are, are some filters coming in within me that's mm-hmm. causing me to see this? Can you mm-hmm. can you tell yeah, me yeah. your truth? Like what's really going on on your end? Because then I can kind of, you know, yeah. figure it out. Or am I correct? Yeah, yeah. That's a great point too because when you, when you create space like that, the, ne- the next big issue you run into is 
thinking you know better about something and wanting your partner to do it that way. So you'll reach a point where the one thing that would steer you the opposite direction is the exact thing that steered your partner in that direction. And that could be something because of how it rings with you and how it it shows up in you that you're like, no, why would you? Or how could you even? You got to be mindful when that hits you and remember, oh shit, we're in this space. And and remember, you talk from your perspective. Okay, well, when you think that, I think this, you know, and it and or, it and it keeps you yeah, say blah, blah, and it blah. keeps you and it keeps you away from shame and blame and guilt yeah, and all this other stuff. Exactly, and 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 when you're trying to have that type of communication or relationship with someone that cannot literally cannot compute and understand that concept no matter how many different relationship stuff you're showing them it's like like it's they don't i realize now there are some people that are extremely uncomfortable with accountability and responsibility their pride is so thick and their inability to see truth especially truth that could be uncomfortable you know what i mean um, and that doesn't matter if it's like for some people, it's external things about the world. Like some people just do not want to believe that they're putting crap in food. You know what I mean? That they're putting, that they're, that they are putting cancer yeah, shit yeah. in food. You know, yeah, they yeah. just don't want to believe it. Uh, it's hard for them to wrap their brain around, even though it's the evidence that says it's right there, you know? Yeah. And there's a reason, food. there's a reason our food is illegal in 26 other countries. <laughs> like they don't even allow American food. They won't allow McDonald's in some countries. I know, yeah. I and know. it's not because of their, their, their business practices. Yeah, exactly. Other yeah. Kind of is. <laughs> But that's like a that's a good example of like taking something to to wanting to deny objective data about something that's external and then wanting to to deny something internally about your own self about a particular belief system or structure. Um <clears throat> it's probably one of the most damaging things that we could do to our own self is to lie to ourselves. It is to bamboozle ourselves is to remain blind and and uh not want to grow in any way shape or form you know what i mean it's kind of like oh it's like i'm getting this picture of like a wilted flower like this wilted plant you know you don't that's what that is when you're choosing that it's pretty it's it's unfortunate but i'm just grateful that as much as it was extremely painful and i still like there's Mm -hmm. there's still trauma around it that i'm healing um to have a relationship or be in partnership with a male who even though like both of us were not always like you know hitting the bullseye when it comes to it but you know so much about communication and so do I you care about it I mean it's what you do for a living for God's sakes like um and also too you are very open hearted more open hearted maybe than and I know that's also been a thing for you too. Even now, your your heart is still recognizing how much more it can like. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. How much more it can expand and and feeling safety and joy and <clears throat> knowing that you're with a partner that really cares about you and really has your back and really understands the concept of unity and oneness and that that we're in this together and we're a team, even when we go back into the illusion of separation we quickly jump back into the spirit world so 
I love that. And I love you for that. I love you too. It's mindful relationshiping with Justin the Change Artist. And Janie Taraz is the mindfulness coach. Know thyself. Love thyself and be thyself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I only know what I read, but uh, I, I don't know. I know Lamar Jackson. I was surprised when they let Joe Flacco uh, go, but I'm not. I mean, that guy's going to do good. It's just changing the times. It's not a knock on his performance. Or I'm all for players. I'm all for teams. But with each team and each player, what's more important is the coaches and position coaches. Yeah, yeah. That's what plays the biggest factor. Sometimes, like you've heard the saying, hey, you know what, a good worker sometimes doesn't make the best manager. The best manager does, sometimes doesn't make the best worker. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, it's the same thing with coaching. Sometimes you got a coordinator who doesn't make a great head coach. Sometimes you got a head coach who doesn't make a great coordinator. Yeah, yeah. So with what the Ravens got, as far as Lamar Jackson goes and the offense, Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator, which I love. Yeah, yeah. He he was offensive coordinator when the 49ers and the Ravens went to the Super Bowl and they had the hardball bro mm-hmm. uh both. Um on top of that, every single offense he's coordinated, the Bills, the 49ers, etc. Mm-hmm. Their run game has been in the top ten, if not the top five in the NFL. Okay. With that being said, yeah. at the quarterback position, we got one of the best quarterback position coaches in the game. Brent Urban, who we got from the Cincinnati Bengals, you know? So now you got Greg Urban. Some people might say that they don't remember any good quarterbacks coming out of Cincinnati, but okay. Well, you got Palmer. You got Dalton that's been there for the longest time. And their offensive as their offensive game might not have been always been the best, but their quarterback play is never been, the problem. Never the problem, exactly. Okay. You know, so with that being said, though, I mean, I haven't even mentioned the acquisition of the wide receivers coach that we got. I can't come to think of his name right now, but he okay. coached with the Eagles. He's coached Deshaun Jackson, Terrell yeah, yeah. Owens, and he's been his assistant coach. For sure. And before you get too far, I want to ask you, because you, you mentioned coaching, and I, I feel like I'm big on coaching, too. But you got you went the angle of uh, position coaches and people making better better position coach than maybe offensive coordinator and a better offensive coordinator than, than maybe a head coach, right? And and I, I agree with that. And I forget which coach said it, but it was all about the, the way I view coaching and the environment, because uh, I want to ask the question about your uh, the offensive coordinator you guys had and the success he had in the different teams. We've had him for two years, Greg Roman, but the thing was he was a tight ends coach, yeah, yeah. which look at what shined the most last year. Our tight end. So I'll ask you this then: with the success he had, is it is it more based on on scheme and he can out scheme you, or is it he can look at the talent and be like, okay, this is what they're capable of? A little bit of both, because of what they're doing to this year, they're actually implementing a total new offense. But on top of that, they never really changed much when he was an offensive coordinator with the 49ers. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's Let's put my offense against your defense, and let's see who wins. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do, but, but let, stop me, it. let me see you stop, stop it. it. What Colin Kaepernick did to the fucking Packers the last year he played. 
in the postseason, he tore them the fuck up, running all over the place, making them look dumb. You know what I mean? That was Greg Roman's offense. Nice. You know? Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, they did – this is the GM, Eric DaCosta, first year as GM. And let me tell you something, dude. He's done a superb job of bringing in talent. Like, they got a great problem to have. I wish they addressed the offensive line a little better, bro, because I don't want to say we're weak there, but we don't have depth as much as we would like to or the size. It's not as strong as the others. I like Bozeman. Yeah, I like Bozeman. I like who we got. I like our line. I like our line. What I'm scared of, no, I love our starters. What I'm scared of is what happens when they get hurt next man up, mm. which we got We got some experience behind the guys that are starting, Alex Lewis, Jamon, Jam- uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but we got guys that are here. And we already picked up an Oklahoma off two. We got two Oklahoma offensive linemen, bro, which is good because their line was great. And they're gritty. They're gritty as fuck, you know. But with that being said, our wide receiver position is overcrowded with raw talent. And the talent that had been there are just sharpening their skills. They're looking at their route running. They're looking at, you know, what type of style, you know, Lamar Jackson's And that brings me back to coaching because the the coaching – I like both the Harbaugh brothers. But uh, I've never liked a wide receivers coach that we've had in the past, Bobby Ingram, because we've drafted good wide receivers. But we've never we, we he can't do anything with him, and yeah. it goes on the coach. See, then this might go this might go uh, a little bit deeper too. One of the things I love about the way the Ravens are coached as a team is the culture, the environment. Jim Harbaugh is not that blue collar guy that's going to pull a Stanford grad out of you know draft him out of out of college and be like, hey, just work on. But this. that's not him. See, the thing I like about the Baltimore Ravens is they've never had the Dallas Cowboys problem. Exactly. The GM GMs and the coaches yeah. coach. So the John Harbaugh is not going to tell or have any input on who gets drafted, and neither does the defensive coordinator. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up the Cowboys because if you look at the different coaching styles, Jim, the Cowboys have – I want to say the closest team I can think when I look at the way he runs his shit and I hear the videos about what he's telling his team and how you know he's running the, the organization is he runs it more like the Patriots. You, where you focus on technique and you beat them with method and all this other shit. Let me what tell I love you about the Ravens is that they take that raw talent. They take the Ray Lewis's and the Steve Smith's of the game and they give it a place to flourish. You know, like I feel Des Bryant would have done much better on the fucking Ravens because of the type of player he is well, as far as emotion and the way he plays. You what, know what doesn't I mean? lie so. and what the Ravens look at as far as I think scouting goes and what the players they choose are numbers, schemes, and what doesn't show up on paper that shows up on film. Like C.J. Mosley, mm-hmm. I think he, his numbers match like what he, what kind of caliber linebacker he is, but what he brings to the team, it, it goes underrated. It goes under the radar. He is so unselfish, dude. Like He'll go and shoot the gap so somebody else that he knows there can make the play he because knows. he knows he, what he has to do to stop. You yeah. know, it's like pulling. It's like pulling the, the back towards you on a on a slit. Exactly. Free up the outside. We lost him, but when it comes to the numbers game, dude, like Jalen Ferguson, the sacks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And we also look at stuff that, like, 
the IQ of yeah. players. You ever seen Hardball? Brad That's exactly what I was like. That's exactly, I couldn't find the name of the, of the movie, but I was like, hey, you remember that movie with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that fucking movie, I think, translates to the way the Ravens, like, yeah, uh, run shit. They run shit, bro. They, they're, they're, they're all about the numbers and they're all about the IQ. The right numbers, too, because we can get caught up in, like, stupid stats that, I mean... I mean, we've taken a couple of swings at some guys. Uh, I've never, ever, ever liked the pick Perriman. I didn't that like him. Had a UFC uh, first round draft pick wide receiver. Out of college, straight out the back. He's fast. He's tall. You know. But what was the problem? What do wide receivers do? They catch balls. That's what they, they can't do. Catch, drops and them. he dropped a lot of fucking balls. And he was a little injury prone, yeah. So that that does it. Those two, those two things always, no matter who or what you are, if you have those problems in college, injuries and drop passes, you're gonna have injuries and drop passes in college. <laughs> now, if you're raw on route running, like that can be fixed. That can be tailored to. You know, you can fix a raw route runner who doesn't, you know, run the greatest routes. Yeah, yeah. You can fix that, but you can't fix the mentality of, fuck, I'm hurt, I'm weak, you know, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Nah. And if you I'm can't not. catch, you can't catch. That's disputable. Some people say, oh, well, you can fix that. Well, at that level, at that level, yeah, it, become, it becomes a responsibility of the player for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, at that level. Um, but, but, like I said, going back to the position, wide receiver, the coach, Bobby Ingram, I've never liked him. Now, they moved him to the tight ends position because... I feel like he can't fuck that up. As raw as I gotta say, he can't fuck it up. We got, <laughs> we got dude, we got Hayden Hurst, first round draft pick. We got Mark Andrews, who I think could have been a first round draft pick, and we got Nick Boyle, who's a blocker and an underrated, you know, catcher yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ravens are good at picking up players like that. I call him Nick. I don't know who Nick. the hell he's fucking or who he knows. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how he's how he's made it this far, <laughs> sticking on the coaching staff. I'm like, God damn, boy, you suck. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, why yeah. are you still here? Uh-huh. So we got this. I think his name is Dooley or uh, Derek I Dooley. I think you so. got Derek Dooley. Hell yeah, he I used think. to coach of the uh, the Green Bay's wide receiver. Green yeah. Bay's wide receiver. A couple Dooley. teams, obviously. Exactly. No, and he's an offensive co- yeah. offensive coordinator. I mean, uh, the assistant coach as well. Okay. So I think that's who we have. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we have Derek Dooley. Now he's a wide receivers coach. That's where he belongs. We got Chris Moore. We got Mr. Reliable and Willie Sneed. Then we got Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame. I know. Then we got Marquise Brown, the most electric, in my opinion, the most electric wide receiver in the college game, who also just happens to be Antonio Brown's cousin. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> See, these are the little connections that the average fan won't put together. Like, exactly. Uh, yeah. Not to mention someone who didn't get undrafted, but we gave him a chance at it. Undrafted player that we brought on is fighting for a position. Just so happens to be an old college teammate in his security blanket of Lamar Jackson. Uh, I forget the kid's name. What position? Wide receiver. Okay. He's on our staff. Um... I don't know. Okay. Well, let's just talk his skill set. What kind of, uh, like, does he got the whole tree? What stands uh, yeah, out about he got the whole okay. tree. And when I was looking at his tape, when I was looking at his highlight tape on YouTube, what I saw is um, 
I don't know if it was the scheme of the college game that they were at Louisville or if it was Lamar Jackson's game because I've only seen Lamar Jackson lead receivers like throw in front of the receiver to catch him in route a handful of times. But what I have seen and I saw on that tape on that receiver, god damn, I wish I remembered his name. <laughs> um, it'll come. Um, is that he does a lot of cutbacks, attending in, attending in. 10 and out. He's got that oh, stop. That stop. Boof. Change I'm direction. open. Bam. Like, because Lamar will put it right between the fucking numbers. But him leading a receiver, the most memorable throw I have of him leading a receiver was when he threw to Mark Andrews versus the San Diego Chargers the first time they played. And Mark Andrews stiffed armed one of the secondary guys <laughs> into the fucking ground. It was nobody business. He took it to the motherfucking <laughs> house. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got diabetes. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, Mark Andrews has diabetes. Something That's else that average cool. friends won't know. That's you fucking know? cool. That's and I think, shit. and I hate it because I'm an Alabama fan. Uh, we just picked up Mark Ingram. But I think with DaCosta, he's starting to favor Oklahoma sooner. We got Marquise Brown. Oh, yeah. We got um, our right tackle, which was Zeus's son. Uh, former Baltimore Raven, Hall of Famer Baltimore Raven. He's died now, not with us anymore. His son, uh, Brown, Orlando Brown. Yeah. And we also drafted another uh, lineman. I love him because of what he said. He's like, the part of the game I love the most is seeing the quit in the defensive line. <laughs> and knowing that I beat him. Yeah. And he's gritty. He's a love gritty it. guy. So the new Alabama is Oklahoma, which I'm not. I'm not ready to hop on that yeah, wagon. Yeah, yeah. I'm a firm Alabama fan. Yeah, yeah. But but if you're we got Bradley Bozeman, if you're who I believe is a motherfucking starter. <laughs> so from Alabama, we got yeah, Mark yeah. Ingram, we got Martin Humphrey, right. we got Anthony Everett. Okay, 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 okay. This is this is an NFL show, not a Ravens show. <laughs> but so. Ravens are stacking up pretty nice, right? How did what's going on at the rest of the league? What's some okay? Story? Well, off, um, you know what's funny? Uh, working refineries, the fucking supervisor for the scaffold department, yeah, Eric, is a Patriots fan, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we got rid of like a lot of D linemen and all that stuff. I was like, I can see them trading for uh, Martellus's uh, brother. Bennett. Uh, Michael. Michael Bennett. Yeah. 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 And he's like, nah. And he picks up his phone. I shit you not, dude. <laughs> I promise. I, I know nothing about it, bro. But I was like, I mean, why not? Like, the Eagles wanted him to drop his number. His number was reasonable. But the thing Michael Bennett does and is known for the most is he's so fucking smart. I'd say he's smarter than some coaches that are around him. Mm-hmm. But he's so smart. He's like, like a like a Sean Lee type player. I mean, there's yeah, other players. Yeah, in the league, there's coaches yeah, on the field. Yeah. He's a coach on the field, man. He's his IQ is off the roof. But what I see them, he's doing, Ned Reed. Yeah, what Ned I see Reed. them doing. In the, oh, by the way, Sean Elliott. I know he's gonna come through. Just like you said, Matt Judon was gonna come through for the Ravens. Deshaun Elliott saying it now. You heard it from me. Yeah. Out of Texas, safety. there's people in the league right now that will still say he's the fastest receiver. Like they, he's just quick. No, Deshaun Elliott is. Oh, Elliott, my bad. I heard yeah. Deshaun. I thought Jackson. My bad. No, he went back to the Eagles. Now Deshaun Elliott, he's a safety for the Ravens. Oh, okay, cool. But they're lacking depth or that of uh, tight ends, which they like. 
Rob Gronkowski retired, and who's a tight end in the league that's good right now that that you know wants more money than I giving it to him is um, Kyle Rudolph. What the 